Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness to pray and to rest before he began his public ministry. This year during Lent, join Pastor Hook to pray and rest as we learn about our calling to be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world. I think we'll go ahead and move into episode 27 of our life-changing connection. And we've been talking a little bit about um, about growth and how Jesus is... Um, uh, called us to to love the world around us, to pray for the world around us. We looked about we looked at that a little bit yesterday. Um, today we are moving into a different kind of a topic. It's on the same topic, but it's a little bit of a different take on it. And for today, what I'd like to do is to go into Scripture and just look at Luke chapter six. Luke chapter six. So if you'll Indulge me a little bit. We're just going to read from verses 12 to 16 uh, and beyond. This is beginning in verse 12 of chapter 6. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his apostles to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And then continuing verse 17, he went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. So this is this picture that we have in Luke of Jesus. This is just a brief, obviously this is only a few verses in Luke, so there's more to it than this. But Luke wants to get to the parables, he wants to get to the stories, he wants to get to the stuff of Jesus. And so this whole idea of calling the disciples and starting out, you know, his public ministry doesn't get a lot of attention, but it's a great way to segue into what I believe Jesus has called us to. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to follow in his footsteps and really understand what he's all about, this is a great way to look at it. And there's really three components to this. The first component is this. It's just short. It's one sentence where in verse 12, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So this one verse tells us that Jesus, before he does anything, he went out to the 40 days in the wilderness, which is what we're celebrating today. But before any time Jesus did anything of significance in Scripture, you find Jesus going out into the wilderness, going to a mountaintop, going somewhere away from his disciples. They go out on a boat. There's this sense that Jesus has an incredible connection with the creator of the universe. That's kind of how I always like to frame it. That Jesus spent time with God the Father a lot. Any, and any time he was getting ready to do something big, he spent time with God the Father a lot. And this filled him up. This gave him clarity. It gave him, gave him guidance. It, 
if you if you want to say it fills your bucket, you could say it fills your bucket. There's a there's a preacher that talks about how sometimes leadership our buckets can be lowered because there's so many demands on our time and things of that nature that leadership can be very draining. And so there has to be a time in a person's life when they fill themselves up with the bucket. And different people have different things that fill them up in their bucket. Uh, Obviously, if you are some personalities that you enjoy being with your family or being with your close friends or, you know, that might fill up your bucket in, in emotional stuff. But at some level, all of us have to fill up our God bucket that that we know that God loves us, that he cares for us, that we are special in his life, that we are his beloved child and he's our beloved father. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our father, Jesus talks about God in terms of a loving father who cares after his beloved children. And so when Jesus goes out into the wilderness or into the desert or up into a mountaintop or away from the disciples to pray and spend time with God, really what he is doing is he's being filled up with more of God and less of Jesus. And some people get this kind of filling up in different ways. Some people do this from a devotion. Some people may do this from uh, Christian music, like driving to work, and turning on K-Love and being filled with the words of the song and more of God, that's certainly a way to do it. I mean, there's different, different ways to do this. I know for me in my life, um, there have been different times where listening to a Christian radio station and just hearing the devotion and being connected to God and that was just so powerful for me. Uh, it's, a, it's a really, really, really good way to, to be filled with God. But it doesn't necessarily, I mean, while it's good, and I, I'm not saying stop by any means, but I, I guess I guess I just want to have a caution with you that as you're listening to Christian, Christian music, ref, be in the presence of the creator of the universe. Be, somehow let that music transform your heart to help you understand that you are in the kingdom, that God loves you, that he cares for you. He knows everything about you. He knows every hair numbered on your head. And all the beautiful joy of creation and all of that he did for you so that you would have a place to live and thrive and survive. Now, for me, this didn't necessarily come about um, in a very, very real way until a few years ago, maybe four, five, six years ago, when I started going out into Sienega Creek and just spending time with God. I... um, I love hiking. I kind of got reintroduced from hiking when the youth group decided to go on this hike and I went with them and I said, why don't I do this more? I really, really love this. <laughs> I love being out in, in uh, nature. I love being on hikes. So I started hiking. And one of the huge benefits, of course, from hiking is that it's, you know, it burns up calories, <laughs> which is, you know, always very helpful. But the other thing it does is it just, it, it allows you, it allows space for me let me put it this way, it allows space for me to kind of put away the worries and the stress of the world that are always there and always present to basically say, God, I'm going to put all that away and now I'm just going to be in your presence and I'm going to create this relationship between you and me. 
Uh, obviously, if you have a relationship with other people, you want to spend time with them. Like, I love my wife. I love to spend time with her. I love my family. I love to spend time with them. Well, if you love God, then at some level, you're going to spend time with him and cultivate that relationship. And the more you cultivate that relationship, the more real and present he becomes in your life. So the I talked a little bit about the early Egyptian desert fathers, that they would go out into the wilderness and they would spend 24-7 uh, away from other people just communing with God. And these were people that were so filled with the presence of God that people would come to them for advice and for healing and for prayer and all those sort of things. The, the, um, they, were, they were before the monks. They were the proto-monks, I guess you could say. And then they eventually go into monasteries because monasteries are not... You can create beautiful grounds in the monastery. You can create beautiful places where there's the presence of God. You can create beautiful chapels. You can, I mean, there's lots of things you can do to create the sense of presence of God. And the monks would do that. They would gather together and they would create the presence of God. And then they would uh, overflow what they were, you know, learning or, or experiencing to the world around them. Uh, and so I don't know if you've ever been to a monastery, but I went to one in Carmel, California. It was out on a peak on a hill. Somebody must have donated the most beautiful piece of property to this monastery. It's just gorgeous. And they built a beautiful chapel and the chapel looks out over into the ocean. I mean, it's just, it's really, really stunning. And and the grounds are beautiful too. I mean, well-kept, well-maintained grounds on the site of this monastery. And you just can't help but feel the presence of God in his presence. And if you want to spend time with God, <laughs> then you could walk around the monastery, you could go to one of the gardens, you could see the beauty of his creation, you could stand on a peak and overlook the ocean. There's, there's all sorts of ways that a person can just simply be filled with the presence of God. And when you do that, when I do that, let me put it very, very personal. When I do this, when I am out in God's creation, reflecting on him, you know, putting everything else away, and just it's me and God time, it is the most refreshing, beautiful, nurturing, fill my bucket type of thing that I know that I can do. And it is very, very, very wealth, worth your while that if, if you have the ability and the capacity to do things like this, to, to, to let God's presence be in your life, you know, put away everything else, all the stresses and the worries of the world, and just Rest in the confidence, assurance that you have a Father in heaven that loves you, wants to hear your heart, and wants, wants you to be with him, then I highly encourage you to do that. Now, there's probably a million ways to do this. So I'm not saying you need to put on your hiking shoes and go into the wilderness. For you, it may be something else. For you, it might be, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there could be a thousand things that, that it might be a morning devotion Bible study. It might be it might be being out working in the garden. It might be, I, mean, I don't know what it is for you, but I highly encourage you to do those things that help you fill your bucket with more of God. Because then when you do, then he builds you the confidence and the courage and the love and the compassion. He gives you all that you need so that you can do the things that he's called you to do in this world. For me, it's out hiking in the wilderness, which I which I love dearly. Really, really fills my bucket list. But it's not the only thing. And it might be Christian music. And when you're a parent, this is harder. 
because when you're a parent, you have the demands of children that are around you 24-7. You never stop being a parent. So getting out into the wilderness is just not an easy thing to do. So you have to rely on other people or have to figure it out. Maybe it's when the kids go to sleep, but then you can't leave the house. I mean, it's just, I know that when you have young children, that that time when they're zero to six or seven or 10 or 15, I don't know what it is. It is a hard, hard, hard time. And so trying to help, uh, you know, as church, trying to help parents find a way to find this space would be very, very valuable for a church to do because young parents are stretched so thin today and they always have been. It's because it's a full-time job. You never get away from it. You are never stop. You know, once, once that little creature comes out of the belly, <laughs> out of the stomach, uh, it is, it is um, you will have them for the rest of your life because you'll always be their parent. All right, so that's, that's the first part that Jesus did. And then after that, he called together, verse 13, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. So Jesus called around himself a group of people to help him, um, you know, carry out this mission that he was doing, that he would eventually give to them, and he would teach them, he would train them, and he would be in fellowship with a very, very small group of people. He wasn't in fellowship with a very large number of people. He couldn't. He's, he probably could have, but with given the limited amount of time that he was on this earth and the limited amount of resources that he had. He could only pour himself out into 12 people in a very, very, very close intentional relationship. And for me, this is a beautiful picture of, 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 of family. It's a beautiful picture of close friends. It's a beautiful picture of a small group. It's a beautiful picture of, it's a beautiful picture of, of people gathering together in a small, intimate relationship. But for this relationship, the reason Jesus brought them together was so that he could train them and teach them and pour into them. Now, I have been in a lot of small groups in my life. When Jennifer and I first lived uh, in Phoenix, we I was working as a civil engineer for a company, and then um, we purchased a home in Phoenix. I don't wanna talk about that home, a beautiful home loved that home <laughs> and uh, we had this huge back patio it was really strange but it was probably 50 feet by 10 or 12 or 14 feet i mean it was it was a huge patio patio very very large you could probably put in chairs and rows you could easily put 50 people in that patio no question about it it would not be hard that all uh, i had a pool table on the back patio patio and anyway, we, uh, we looked around church one day and we noticed that there were a lot of young people that had just gotten married. Some of them were our friends, some of them weren't our friends. And so we invited them all over to our back patio and we sat there and we, and we said, you know, we all want to have a friendship and grow in our faith. And so uh, let's, just, let's just start meeting. And so we started meeting once a week. I think it was on Friday night back then. And um, we called ourselves... Uh, well, we, we, it was like no kids, the no kids couple or something, because none of us had kids yet. And then all of a sudden we started having kids and then we were couples with kids. I don't remember what it was. But anyway, we, we stayed with this group for a number of years, probably 10 years after that, maybe. Um, we would have done this in 87. And we moved out in 92, 93. 
94. Yeah, so about seven, maybe six, seven, eight years, we, we had this cup, this group that really, really, really was just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Just great to be able to get together with them, to learn how to parent with them. We went through a bunch of parenting Bible studies. I mean, there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of growth that happened. There's a lot of fellowship that happened. And in a sense, I feel like that's what Jesus did with his disciples, that they gathered them together. They learned from each other. They learned from Jesus and they grew together as a, as a group that was very, very strong. If any of you have ever been in a group like this, you know how, particularly a group that gets together on like on a weekly basis, that how much they fill your life and how much you can grow from them. And typical what happens in one of these groups is that they follow Bible study or they do a small group Bible study or something like that. It is just wonderful. It's a great way to grow. And I highly encourage you. One of the downsides is for me particularly is that I would never necessarily share in that group some of the struggles I was going through as a leader, not as a leader, as a worker in the business world at my engineering firm. Because I had been thrown into different situations. I just didn't know how to handle them. I didn't really know who to talk to to figure it out. One of the things that would have been very handy at that point in my time would have been to surround myself with people that were in a similar business leadership world and perhaps, you know, discussing leadership principles and discussing, you know, how God created me and how I view leadership and some of my struggles and just being open and honest and transparent. When you're in a, when you're in a couples group, it's a different dynamic than if you're on a one-on-one. Like if I had been in a group of five or six or seven guys, then it would have been totally different. It would have been a conversation on a different level. When we first started Christ Lutheran Vale Church, I would go to Phoenix to be in a group of guys that we would all talk about the struggles of ministry and what to do and that sort of thing. And that was better. I mean, that was incredibly better. Um, even then, though, I probably didn't share all my struggles because I just didn't know how to deal with them. I'm a, on the personality profile. I, I don't necessarily show my cards a whole lot until I figured it out. And there are just some things in life you never figure out. So that would have been, you know, having a group like that where I could be more open and honest and transparent about issues that I'm, I'm struggling with would be very, very fantastic. Uh, then we moved to Denver. We were involved in a Bible study in Denver with a small group, great group of people. We were with them about 10 years. Just, you know, you, you just look back and you say, I don't know how I would have gotten through those periods of time if it wasn't for those friends and fellowship and growing in my faith. But the one thing I wasn't doing at those times is necessarily deepening my faith with God. It was deepening my faith with a group of people, but I wasn't getting away from that and just spending time alone with God, which is very, very hard to do when you're <laughs> at certain times in your life. But if I could go back and do one thing different, it might have been, it might be that, just to spend more time in fellowship with God, just try to carve out some portion of the day where I could put work away, put stresses of, you know, the life away and just spend, even if it was 15 minutes just, and, and not, not necessarily you know, to learn something or, you know, to, to ask God for a bunch of laundry list items of things, but just let to, for God to pour into me himself so that I could know that he loves me. He created me just the way I am. He's put me in this world for a reason. Here's things I can do to, to forward his mission. That is, um, that is 
what, you know, a call to all, for me, a call to all Christians to do those two things. And, oh, and, then, and then the story goes on because then what does Jesus do? Then he goes down and stands on a level place and people would come to him and he would heal them. So Jesus had this sense that it wasn't just about his relationship with God. It wasn't just about his relationship with this close uh, group of apostles that he, that he surrounded himself with, but it was also about loving the world around him and serving the world around him and bearing fruit to the world around him, that you get filled up so much with God that you know you're his beloved child, that you surround yourself with a group of people who are going to help you grow in your faith and give you confidence and fill up your bucket list in that, in that sense. Uh, and then from there, you launch out into the world and you bear fruit. You basically do the things that Jesus did. You, you love people. You serve people. You are The only hands and feet that Jesus has in this world are his church. Which means that if Jesus wants anything done in this world, it's the church that must do it. Now, there are some churches that focus on uh, particular, like their church is focused on changing the political world. Or some churches are focused on one particular thing that they're going to try to change in the world around them. Or some churches are focused on hunger. Some churches are focused on world missions. I mean, there's a... Any church can look at themselves and say, how has God gifted us? And what do we have? What resources do we have available in the situation where God has plugged us in? And how can we then serve and love the world around us? And that's a good, healthy discussion for a church to have. Like, let's just stop, look around at all our resources and say, okay, are we doing the things that God wants us to do? What, what things are just not working? Let's purge them and let's create some new things and let's serve the world around us. I think one of the tragedies of the church over the last hundred years is that there's so many churches out there and people just don't even know that they exist. Like they are so inward focused, which is not necessarily bad, that that they don't really make an impact into the community around them. When we first started Christ Within Veil, the guy that helped us, the mission and ministry facilitator, he was adamant that we should be a church that is known in the community as a church that loves and serves the community. And so that is something that that really resonated with the team at that point. And so we've we've really always tried to make sure that we have at some level some of our resources dedicated to loving and serving the community around us. And um, so those are the that's that's kind of in a nutshell what you see in Jesus life that uh, you could almost say that there's three areas that Jesus looked at. You know, one is up, right? He just spent time with God and had God fill him. And then the other one is like in, like Jesus then had a close group of friends that he grew in their faith. and They grew in their faith and Jesus led them in the growth in their faith. And they went from, from having very, very little faith, like Jesus was call, always telling them, oh, you have little faith, to having substantial faith, but that by the end of their life, they were willing to give up their life for the sake of the Jesus cause. I mean, that's a lot of faith. And to do that, they needed Jesus to kind of assemble them into a group, but then that group continued to grow, and then they created their own groups, and then they created their own groups, and that's how the church grows, is through these discipleship groups 
where it's really centered around how can we grow in our faith? How can we use the tribulations and the struggles of life? And how can we grow? We do this in family groups. Like my goal as a father in my family growing up was to help our children grow in their faith, that they would have all the tools and resources necessary to faith, face the challenges of life when they were moving forward. Uh, it could happen in a small group. It could happen uh, in a very intentional group. You could, you could gather around you a group of people and say, we are going to intentionally focus on this one thing to make sure that we all can grow in this area of our life. And there's the sky's the limit. God doesn't give us any limits as to how we can grow and assemble these groups. A lot of times, fellowship groups are great, but they don't necessarily grow in their faith. Sometimes growing in their faith groups are great, but there's no fellowship. I mean, it's just the way Jesus did. He's just lived life with them, right? He, They laughed, they joked, they ate meals together. Sometimes they didn't talk about God at all. And then sometimes Jesus is walking down, he sees a tree and he stops and he says, we're gonna have, we're gonna spend today just looking at that tree and I'm gonna tell you a lesson about the kingdom of God. And then, of course, serving the world. The, the, the church, once it grows, and that's every, every Christian is called to serve the world in some capacity in our world around it. It could be, it could be in big ways. It could be in little ways. Um, I have been blessed here in Vail the, to be afforded the opportunity to serve in some pretty big ways in our Vail community, which I'm very, very grateful to do because that's what God's called me to do. And those are the three areas in my life and in every Christian's life that we should cultivate and, and blossom and bloom. When you are doing that, when you are, I think when you are looking at uh, God up and in and out, those are the three verbs, up, in, and out. If you can focus your life in those areas, then you are growing as a disciple. That's exactly where Jesus wants you. It's exactly where he wants you. And you're going to start with, you know, small root system and you're going to grow into a huge root system. And you're just going to continue, just your capacity to be able to love and serve, your capacity to understand God, your capacity to be filled with him, your capacity to love other people just grows the older and older and older you get. And so, and that's, that's where God's called us to build our church around that concept. So I think I'll leave it there. And we'll kind of finish up this topic tomorrow. I think tomorrow uh, we'll probably finish. Yeah. So would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, help us to be filled with you, to grow in our faith in you, and to serve the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.